0: Welcome to the Game of Thrones Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're here to do our seven oh three uh, season seven, episode three spoiler take. Uh Aaron, you're you're the spoiler man.
1: But you gotta tell me the episode title or we can't begin. Uh I forget the episode Queen's title. Queen's Justice. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh wrestled podcast supremacy somehow. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk about a couple things up front. Number one, um, I joined our buddies on the Nattercast, uh, nattercast.com, for their podcast on 703. And I just came there for a, f- a flyby. I had a rant about the state of the leaks and what it's doing to podcasting this season. So if you're I, – I actually was thinking about doing this on the pod, but, like, the, today's going to be a long episode anyway because we also have a 25-minute interview with uh, uh, Kim Renfro on Insider, who's uh, a bit of a – um, a lore and theory expert as well. We had to i, I shared a panel with her at the Con of Thrones, so that's going to be coming up here in a bit. Uh, but if you want to hear me rant and rave about leaks, uh, check out the Nattercast, nattercast.com. Also, uh, you and I fucked up pretty big time—the John having the three dead brothers thing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I got multiple corrections on that, which we'll talk about on the main podcast. But I'm just saying. I, 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 we, we got it. We 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 muffed up on like two different pieces of information that uh, reveals to John that Brand's still alive. So mm-hmm. they didn't make a mistake. It was us that made a mistake. Uh, so let's talk about the next time on. Uh, I forgot to do this last week, but we'll recap it real quick. Uh, Cersei shows the Iron Banker uh, the map, her map of Westeros, and says her only concern is bringing the continent and all who dwell upon it under her rule. And he says, really? You don't have any other maps? This is what you're (laughs) spending our gold on? Right. Right. It's not even the scale. (laughs) Uh, What is this? A continent for ants? (laughs) Danny tells John she's losing and all of her allies are gone uh, on the beach of Dragonstone. Uh, the banker from the Iron Bank says that you can count on the Iron Bank as soon as the gold arrives, as we see a shot of Jamie and Bronn surveying the gold wagon train. Mm-hmm. Uh, a hand, which might be Varys, might be Littlefinger, unsheaths the Valerian steel dagger that the cat's paw used way back in Season 1 to try to kill Bran. Uh, Danny says, enough with the clever plans, as she fires a daggery look, presumably at Tyrion. Uh, Podrick Payne gets his ass handed to him and thrown to the ground. Uh, Theon helps some ironborn push a landing boat onto the shore. Uh, Jon and Danny go through a dark cavern lit by torchlight. Littlefinger looks at the camera nervously. Brienne hands (laughs) someone his ass, presumably Podrick. Uh, Arya surveys all of Winterfell from a nearby hill while on horseback. Uh, Sansa reads a book and rolls her eyes. And Danny is seen high aloft in the clouds uh, on top of Drogon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're gonna get some dragon ride in next episode. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what what the, the, this this emphasis on the Valerian steel blade and the fact that they, yeah. they teased it in the scrolls that uh, Sam was reading earlier this season. I mean that that and, and when you combine that with Littlefinger's like Ugh, kind of reaction to uh Maester Wojan or what what is it? Wo 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 war war path. I don't know what his name is.
0: I forget his name. The
1: guy I he can't I, mean, I can't be bothered to learn a Maester's name if he can't tell me like that when the longest winter yeah. in Westeros is. Um when he says he's got all of Master Lu, Maester Lewin's uh, records. Um maybe and, and with his nervous looking face, maybe this is where he gets to the end of his rope. Could be. I, I'm
0: yeah, I'm curious about this dagger too because it doesn't seem like a thing that show watchers would really understand that well. Like Yeah, but a previously
1: on can 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 take care of that pretty easily.
0: It can, but like the full significance of it really? You think so?
1: Because it's it's not like it's a super prominent thing. Yeah, but there's like 10 seconds of dialogue I think where Peter talks about yeah. like like oh I got that from Tyrion and oh I got that from and and right. then you could have it over the guy you know unsheathing the blade and attacking cat and I feel like that that's uh, enough that people would be like oh right and also why that. the fuck yeah. are they doing showing me this blade sure sure um, but I don't know I don't know because I you know I I thought my my money was on Littlefinger not making it out of this season. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and I know we've been accused of mis- underestimating him, uh, to Who? quote a famous uh, last uh, president from a while ago, right? Uh, but I don't know because I feel like I still feel that even if I'm not underestimating him, that still his 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 story is not long for the world. Yeah, and we only have four episodes He's... to go. So if that's going to happen, it's going to happen sooner than later. I definitely think his options are narrowing. Right um what do you think uh it's interesting because i don't the 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 scene where john is leading Danny through a tunnel is presumably the cavern where they got all the dragon stone or i'm sorry the dragon dragon glass glass. yep um and then i guess he gets what he wants and is threatening or is going to leave and she's like no john please stay please stay I mean, I. to that? I'm losing, and my allies are gone. And I, know, I wonder if he goes ahead and's like, well, I'm sorry, oh. your Grace, I have to go up north and fight the 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 others. And she's then she turns on Tyrion and says, like, enough with your clever plans. And
0: yeah, I don't think she views John as an ally. Um, I mean, she certainly didn't last episode. Maybe something will happen early in this one to change that. But well, the
1: fact that like she lost uh, the bulk of her fleet now, I think. That's, yeah, no,
0: her her true allies are gone. Like right. the ally that she would have if she acknowledged that John's story is true. Yeah.
1: I don't think is an ally yet. She doesn't view Okay, him that way. sure sure. Yeah. But I'm saying that she that might be like she's trying to make a pitch for him to like help cuz but John just there's nothing oh, she can say. Now that, she needs allies yes. and she's like a uh, Jon. Because also on Reddit someone reminded me um that John has a decent fleet himself. Mm-hmm. The that Stannis used to to come over uh to, to to move his army uh and Stannis left that with John to evacuate those wildlings from high, high uh, hard home. Mm-hmm. Now they're not great boats. They're not like war galleons or whatever the hell they are. But you could—they're—they're they're probably sufficient to tow Dothraki around and Unsullied around and 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 yep. move a lar- uh, you know, a decent-sized army around. That's true. But uh, so he could be a more valuable ally than than you might than you might suppose because he's got a small, modest navy of his own. Yeah. Um, although I don't know if the double Ds remember that.
0: Oh, surely.
1: I mean, it's not—they haven't mentioned it since Hardhome, which yeah. is. Is that two seasons ago, or just one? No, I think it was at least two. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. I think it was it season four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the that was the penultimate episode of season f- five. Season six was the Battle of the Bastards, so it was two mm-hmm. seasons ago. Hmm. Uh, so it, it's a, it's anyone's guess whether uh, the Double D's remember they have the small fleet of boats that, that could be used to uh, to affect uh, for Danny. But it seems like she she's going to decide to take matters in her own hands, and I wonder. Um, maybe a dragon dies next episode too uh hmm you don't think it's too early in
0: the season I guess we're at the halfway point yeah Um, yeah maybe I I mean this she's clearly gonna try something that Elena would
1: approve of right like be the dragon I mean I could see a dragon going down right well, I mean, that's the thing, Like, especially since, uh, as I think a, a commenter points us out. The main, I can't remember if I saved that feedback for the main cast or spoiled her, but uh, it's arguable that Tyrion has a lot of this blood on his own hands because if Danny had listened to Olenna and just gone straight at King's Landing, Olenna mm-hmm. would be alive, Alari would be alive. Um, yeah. You know, she would still have her navy intact, and she would be uh, an unbeatable force. Mm-hmm. But because... Um and the other thing is like do you think that Jamie and Cersei in, intuited that she was going to be scared to use her forces at her full potential uh because I feel like that that if they didn't I wonder if a plot point will be that now the jig is up like well she's just soft right and now like we can go we can go run wild with that information hmm. I don't know yeah uh also it seems like a caravan laden with gold would be pretty easy pickings for a dragon. Like I've literally, Melton. Like yeah. like those three dragons can literally go and pick up those wagons in their feet <laughs> and just go like wouldn't that be hilarious no. if like Braun and Jamie are guarding it and you just see the three <laughs> dragons swoop down, grab them and carry them off like sheep. That'd be sweet. Yeah. <laughs> there goes your gold. There goes your iron bank, Cersei. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be it'll be interesting to see how that 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 uh, plays out. Uh All right. Uh, I think it's uh, Do you have anything You want to talk about Or should we get right to Kim Not really We talked about feedback. a lot of the the Preview which is what I've seen Alright well I hope you enjoy This conversation about Crazy theories that I had With Ken Renfro Coming right up
3: Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes The best film of the franchise
4: What a wonderful day
3: It's a jaw dropping spectacle That demands to be seen On the biggest screen possible I need to go Hang on It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
0: We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've
3: got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and ball move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret, Hush Hush.
0: No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it and it's going to be an incredible viewing
3: experience with a packed house of bald movers
1: Real quick, I wanted to break down what's been going on Bald Move this week. In case you missed anything, last night Jim and I saw The Dark Tower, Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, I don't know, adaptation of the Stephen King series of the same. Is it? Turned eight (laughs) books into 90 minutes of film. Yeah. How well do you think it went? Go to baldmove.com, find out. Next week we'll be taking on Annabelle Creation as our first-run Bald Movie also, had a uh, pretty rollicking, fun podcast about the first two episodes of Rick and Morty Season 3. Mm-hmm. If you're into that thing, uh, if you're not, you should be. Uh, you can go to Bald Move. They check that out. Uh, also, for club members only, had a new installment of Quit Your Pitching. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I, I listened to half of that episode. As we recorded like two months ago, Yeah, and I thought it was pretty funny. I did, too. But I'm Partial. Uh, we also had released an Empire business. This is the behind-the-scenes looks at what it's like to be in a startup podcast. And we talked about advertising mm-hmm. in particular. So if you're curious, you can check that out. Uh, next week, we'll have one with Dave Chin, uh, where he, we talk about Bald Move with him. Uh, if you don't know, Dave, David Chin is one of the hosts of Cast of Kings with Joanna Robinson. So we'll be doing that with them. Uh, and just a bu- bunch of more stuff coming down the pike uh, in addition to these three Bald Move podcasts we do each week. So check it out at baldmove.com. Joining me now is Kim Renfro uh, from The Insider. She is a senior culture reporter for The Insider and has been uh, following Game of Thrones. And we we shared a panel, the Azora High panel, uh, down at Acon of Thrones. Welcome to the, the show, here, Kim.
5: Thanks so much. I'm really glad to be here with you guys.
1: Um, so we did the Azora High Prince of His Promise panel together, but then right after that, you had the crazy tinfoil Game of Thrones crackpot theory. For, yes. uh, which was i thought one of the most fun panels of the the whole convention
5: oh awesome and, thanks and, yeah that was a blast i that was the most fun that i had all weekend for sure and uh i
1: i so i started um when i started doing game of thrones i i, I did the first season of the podcast and i hadn't read any of the books and in between seasons one and two i read books through one through three and I think by the time season three rolled around, I'd read them all. And at this point, I've done all the Dunkin' Egg, and I've done The World of Ice and Fire. But what I started in season four is a spoiler thing, because the, the theory that caught my mind, like my imagination, was the Roose bolt-on Immortal <laughs> Dread vi- Vampire Lord theory. The fact that someone, <laughs> because they're bored and they're, the content hasn't come, that they are going to go and sift through... And find all these crazy different quotes and circumstantial pieces of evidence to introduce the idea that Rus Bolton might be a vampire lord. And I started talking about those at the tail end of the podcast just for fun. And I kept saying you know, some of them were serious, some of them. But I always I, – I have a soft spot for the crazy theories. Why? Yeah. And, and apparently you do too because you pit you were the one leading the panel probably pitching yeah. it. What, what is it about the, the crazy Varys is a mermaid uh, type theories <laughs> that, that, that draw you to them?
5: It is. I mean, you really you really hit the nail on the head there and that I love that people who are so obsessed with these books and with George R. R. Martin's writing kind of feel like they have a lot of spare time on their hands at the moment because right. everyone's been waiting since 2011 for the next book. And so the fact that the fandom has now like devolved down to the point where people are sussing out these tiny lines from different chapters and then piecing together these like weirdly logical like trains of thought that actually wind up being completely batshit insane Mm -hmm. and hilarious, but also like sometimes oddly insightful. And it's just it to me, it's like the ultimate fun that people can have with these books that are a lot of times very serious and sad and heartbreaking. And, you know, you have the red wedding and things that make you throw your book across the room. And then the fact that you can go on Reddit or these different forums and kind of find these pockets of joy in just like having fun with him being ridiculous and like the the titles that people come up, like yeah, like the fact that the fact that it's not just Roose Bolton is a vampire who's an eternal skin changer, but it's like. Someone titled that "bolt on" theory. Right, right. <laughs> and, it's like,
1: and then they there is
5: so much creativity. That
1: theory had like a dozen different names. There was the is <laughs> loose, the Spruce loose, or the, the Spruce the Spruce Roos. Uh, there was a whole bunch of. I can't remember. them all. I ran them down on that podcast I did like three years ago. Yeah, but yeah. It was very funny. It was very it was very funny and playful. Um, and also, I feel like that the mechanics of the universe lend itself to this kind of crazy. You know, Dario is actually Euron, who's actually cold hands because shape-shifting and skin-changing and glamoring and faceless men and all, like, you know, Nightshade of the Warlocks. Like, there's all these right. crazy ways that anyone can be anything at any time. And there's even, like, time travel being introduced with Bran and his visions. And, like, it, it's really Katie Bar the door. With, with hundreds of thousands of words you can choose from to just start doing all these crazy, like Carrie Masterson on Homeland, like drawing these yarn connections (laughs) to all these different books and the Dunkin' Egg and World of Ice and Fire. It's, it's, but it's, it it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. What's your, what's your like personal all time favorite crazy theory?
5: Oh man! Like
1: regardless of whether you think like I I, I the, the, and I, then I want to follow it up with like what is the one that's the craziest that you think might actually have a chance of being true or not disproved?
5: Okay. that's that's also so, a different one. Right. So that, that's a good way to break them out. So the the first one that's just like got a soft place in my heart just for it, the beauty of its madness is the Tyrion is a time traveling fetus.
1: I was Theory? hoping you'd say that because that's the one. Like I had never heard that <laughs> until I saw your panel, uh, and I, I immediately I'm like, wait a second, this is actually yes. Like so, so lay that out for us. I don't think I've covered that one.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was on the um, r slash a song rise and fire subreddit. It came from the beautiful crazy mind of redditor X Y Seth. I'm assuming is how he won want- he or she wants that pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they introduced it as d plus d equals t so it, <laughs> it
4: was <laughs> the like a riff DDT.
5: on r plus l equals j right um and the root of it according to this person was that king's landing has seven gates okay and while like that's not that unusual the number seven crops up all the time in a song of ice and fire through the faith of the seven exactly um but they said that they believe King's Landing is meant to be uh, Thebes, which is the Greek city where Oedipus was king. Okay. And Oedipus uh, is the Greek mythology. Um, he's famous Oedipus for fucking is, his mom. Yes. Or
1: wanting to fuck it. I, I can't remember. Kills his dad. Yeah. No,
5: I, he definitely does. Kills okay. his dad, fucks his mom, and then I think stabs his own eyes out once <laughs> he realizes what he's done is how that ends. Uh-huh. Yeah, he does. It's very great. Um. So... Obviously, we all know that George R. R. Martin loves a good incest story. Yes. And so <laughs> someone they started like drawing all these parallels between Tyrion and Oedipus.
4: Mm-hmm. So they're
5: both described as like having a slightly abnormal gait. Like Tyrion has trouble walking sometimes due to like the pain in his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, Oedipus saves Thebes kind of the way that Tyrion saved King's Landing. With the wildfire, Oedipus is disowned right. by his father the mm-hmm. way that Tyrion was disowned by Tywin, loving and then it. they both kill them, their yeah, fathers.
1: Yeah, loving it.
5: Yep. So, so far, so good. Um, and so, if Tyrion is going to be Oedipus in this situation, that means that he eventually has to have sex with his mother. Uh huh. Which then everyone goes, okay, but isn't Joanna Lannister dead? Yes, but that only matters if you don't believe that Tyrion was actually the son of Daenerys and Drogo. And that the fetus was time traveled back into Joanna's womb,
1: because and here's the connection. There is like I, I, I so I, 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 the in in the books, uh, Danny's fetus is described as this like. malformed like with bat wings and it's covered in like either scales or hair and it's got like a demon face
5: says like he was scaled like a lizard blind with a stub of a tail and he was like monstrous and had leather wings
1: and he was like also full of grave worms like it's just some crazy crazy ghoulish overkill type of shit uh but then what's interesting is the rumors around Tyrion's birth was that mm-hmm. he actually looked like that. And people would come like, you know, like I, I think Oberyn is the one that told the story in the, the show that they came but, to kind of like, let's see the freak of the Lannisters. And it turns out he's just a a regular baby that, that uh, Cersei liked to torment right. its genitals. Oberyn
5: uh, even specifically <laughs> says like, we, we heard you had a tail. Right. Which is like one of the ways that Rago's corpse demon baby body was described, was having a tail. And so yeah, that's that's like a big parallel between Rego and Tyrion. And so basically the way that the way that they summarize this is by saying that like Miriam Mazdoor talks about the reversal of time in that kind of like Ominous warning that she gives to Daenerys, where she says, "When the sun rises in the west and sets in the east,
1: right. When the um, mountains turn to dust and the oceans boil away, right. and the uh, yeah. and to
5: go forward, you must go back, right.
1: <laughs> Loving <laughs> it. Okay. Okay. In
5: time. And so the idea is that there's something from her past. That is going to or that. Or there's something from her future that is going to reoccur in her present. Is kind of like the connection that's being made here, and so that something would be her unborn fetus, who in that tent when all that crazy blood magic was happening, that Daenerys was like basically unconscious for. Right. They're saying that Miri Mazdor transplanted Rago back in time into Joanna's womb, mm-hmm. and then Joanna Lannister gave birth to rego but then named him Tyrion and now Tyrion will grow up meet Daenerys fall in love with her have sex with her and then realize that she's actually his mother through this horrible twisted blood magic
1: wow now the i guess the like i said I, that's i love it and it's impressive uh <laughs> do they have any any explanation for why Tyrion like he's a dwarf for sure and like in the books he's described as, you know, a little bit more on the hideous spectrum than uh than the than the the rather handsome uh, uh guy we see on the television show. What mm-hmm. do they have an explanation for how that happened? Did there, there was like a bunch of emergency plastic Westerosi surgery that happened that just left him with the weird legs or how, what? I'm
5: I'm pretty sure that the term collateral blood magic was used. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a thing.
5: <laughs> in In the original write up of the theory, so I'm pretty sure that like any quirks can be explained by like, well, we don't really know how this crazy blood magic works, so like it might have just been. Yeah, and, error, yeah you know? and, they,
1: and the you know the Lannisters like their red rubies, and you know uh, Tywin found one of the the priestesses of R'hllor and had him glamour Tyrion, so he didn't look. You know, he's still still roughly a, a, a half size hominid demon baby, but he's been glamoured. You know, mm-hmm. interesting. And
5: then people also drew the like this kind of ties into another theory, but like people people assume that Tyrion might ride a dragon at some point. Um, whether or not you believe that he's Targaryen or not, I think either either camp can agree that there's a chance that he could ride a dragon and then he would be the stallion who mounts the world. Like he would partially be fulfilling the prophecy of Rego. Interesting. If he does that.
1: I don't see that connection, but I've always thought (laughs) like, so so I, that one thing I was shocked by going down to con is how many of my fellow game of Thrones scholars, dabblers, um, hate the fact that, that Tyrion is a secret Targaryen. I hate it. Yeah. Do you want to fight about it? No.
5: Like what's what's the <laughs>
1: <laughs> What is cuz like I mean the, the what's what's the con? Like why why it, it it why why don't why don't you why don't you so, like the idea that he's a secret Targaryen? Cuz there yeah. the, the books the, the case for that just to, to catch people up is that um multiple reports of highly trusted people for example uh, Barrist in the Bold has said that uh the Mad King Aerys took improprieties with with tywin's wife joanna um on their wedding night number one but also there's hints that this kind of like inappropriate contact um happened for a, a long time and if, i think there's a story in which there's like a nine month gap between yeah. the impropriety and then Tyrion showing up
5: yeah uh, i'm pretty sure that he i'm pretty sure that uh George R. R. Martin specifically wrote it into a world of ice and fire. Uh-huh. Like the t- the timeline there is way too convenient. Right.
1: And there's um, also some circumstantial stuff like like Tyrion has like, you know, the platinum blonde hair that's famous for Tyr- right. the Targaryens. He's got mixed mix, mixed matched eyes that implies that maybe like one of them could be purple and the other could be more of a lanus. Like there's right. there's a couple of other things that uh and the fact that, you know, Tywin has hated him his whole life, uh just for the fact that he's a dwarf um that, that that like if he knows the secret truth that that would be that would be an ex- explanation for why he like he's not going to out himself as cuckold but he's right. going to take it out on this bastard son of his
5: right so i that is that is actually precisely the reason why i don't like the idea of Tyrion actually being the product of a rape between uh the mad king and Although, joanna because it, it's I, not clear that
1: it's a rape though too because like well, I, I, okay yeah yes. okay because it okay. seems like Joanna might have been like totaled into the Mad King.
5: Sure. Okay. <laughs> I guess more that it's the product of like an illegitimate relationship that Tywin might have been aware of, and then therefore, so so my my argument is that I don't like I don't like giving Tywin a legitimate reason to have treated Tyrion this way his whole life. I like I think Tywin is a very interesting villain is character he's definitely on the on the spectrum of bad in the series obviously um but i i appreciate the irony that he would have hated and rejected and outcast the one heir of his who would actually be able to carry on their name Mm -hmm. in an honorable way and who actually had their family's interests at heart whereas cersei and jamie are you can argue pretty narcissistic and like don't like Jamie has no interest in being the leader of the Lannister family because he's too obsessed with Cersei and he joined the Kingsguard and did all these things that kind of went against what Tywin would have wanted. Right. And Cersei, even though she thinks that she's doing what Tywin wants, she's actually making a ton of mistakes left and right. And right. is probably going to wind up bringing their, like burning their house to the ground. Right. And so I, I find the relationship between Tywin and Tyrion a lot more interesting if Tyrion really was the one son that he should have given care and respect and love to, but didn't out of his own hubris Right. versus that being a relationship based on a legitimate reason for Tywin to treat him like shit and dismiss him and like not actually want him to be part of the Lannister family.
1: So see, it's interesting because I, the reasons that I'm kind of open to it and like the theory is because, There's definitely a a special relationship between Tyrion and John, established in the first books, and Mm -hmm. that's a nice symmetry. The fact that um, you know, like John has this thing where he's irrationally hated by Caitlin or Catelyn for you know being a bastard, and that Tyrion is secretly uh, hated because uh, he's a bastard, but they're both like you know sons to targaryen sons and they've got that connection and also explains all of uh Tyrion's otherwise kind of nonsensical connections to dragons cuz he's always dreaming yeah. of them and he always wanted to ride them and he cried when he found out that the dragons were dead and um he also has that you know he even dabbled dabbled with that in the show he's got that special relationship with the dragons cuz
5: you know, because I guess right. that's the other
1: thing is I don't see I guess I don't see having a bastard son as a de facto legi- quote unquote legitimate reason to hate them. Uh, I can see yeah, why sure. Tywin would do that, um, and it's also I like the dramatic irony of his bastard son being the most like him because you know he was desperate for his father's approval. Whereas Jaime and Cersei, the golden children, who were always promised to, you know, like they were going to be the lords of Casterly Rock or the queen of Westeros, respectively, like they never had to earn it. And, um, you know, they coasted, whereas, whereas Tyrion was always scrapping for it. And that's why he became more like Tywin than than his true-born children.
5: Yeah, I definitely, i I can see both sides. I've just always remained in the, like, I hope he's not camp. The other thing that someone pointed out to me uh, my friend and also coworker at Insider, Megan Willett, um, she she was like, you know, I think the reason why there are all of these hints there that he might be is because George R. R. Martin has his like gardening style of writing, yeah, and it's very possible that in the early 90s he was piecing to like he was putting the potential out there right. for a Tyrion as a Targaryen right. reveal, and then at this point, I feel like there are too many secret Targaryens. And like, even if you don't think that Aegon, who Mm -hmm. you've probably talked about him on the podcast before, but Aegon returning in a dance with dragons and being another possibly fake, but also possibly not fake Targaryen. And then you have Jon and it's like, at what point are there just too many secret Targs laying out there? And so I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that he wrote in thinking that he might go that way in the future and then at this point he won't that, like, that
1: particular I... plant in the garden withered not actually that's the best yeah. that's the best reason i have for hating on the target The see the, the, him being a secret target because y- you're right it gets to be a point where it's a little ridiculous that uh that that they didn't uh, that they don't that, that that that. there's how many how many are there going to be is it going to be like you know freaking uh Battlestar Galactica like how <laughs> yeah. many how many you know hidden Cylons are there um yeah. so cool. what what's your what's your favorite theory that is like classified as tinfoil but you secretly think either might come true or it might just be like an unprovable assert like like like, what's the Valerian tinfoil the Valerian foil theory
5: I that, mean that to you me like? it's got to be Cleganbowl Right. Oh,
1: see, I'm almost thinking like that's like.
5: Is it not even tinfoil anymore because we think it's gonna happen?
1: Well, it's so funny because it was like I remember that was pretty controversial. That like there's so many people like, no guys, the right. hound is at, at peace west. and yeah. that's his arc and uh, you know and like they just were not open and and everybody else is like, well yeah but have you considered the fact that it's awesome um <laughs> <laughs> and you know and, and the whole the grave digger thing and i and then then they just totally like they had a so fucking hype for it at the end of last season yeah. and then pulled the whole oh we're just gonna outlaw trial by combat and then yeah, like some in the hype slayer exactly the the slayer of hype uh but then <laughs> like you know all this priest like uh you, you, like there's this, like hints in a trailer where there might be someone shaped like the hound in front of someone that's shaped like the mountain, and uh, like the idea that like maybe uh, you know like Barrack is going to the the hound is going to die and have to be resurrected by Barrack or Thoros, and then he'll be a zombie too, and then like it's almost like the hype's back on the menu again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where well, where 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 do you think is the cur- where where are you at in the current hype meter?
5: Well, and. So I'm my hype's pretty high for the show,
1: uh-huh,
5: partially because I think at this point, D and D, or as you guys call them, the double D's right. Uh, I, I think that they're gonna give it to us. <laughs> just because, yeah, just because they know that people will freak out, and, and it also just so happens to be an awesome right scene that will happen. They already technically gave it to us in season one, and like George R. R. Martin already gave us mini Clegane Bowl true uh, at the tournament for the hand. And so, my hype's pretty high for the show. I think that they're probably just just dragging it out a little bit in the same way that I pretty firmly believe. Jamie will turn on Cersei at some point in the show. Right. But they're just kind of taking their time with it. Um, in the books, I'm a little bit more... Like, I don't really know just because we don't have enough information beyond A Dance with Dragons yet. Right. But it's... um, I think the reason why that theory has such a soft spot in my heart is because, like, I had already read a lot of tinfoil theories on Reddit, but that was the first one that started having like memes and YouTube videos and and it like spawned this whole second life of content that I just loved so much. Like the first time that I watched one of those crazy mashup air horn,
4: Snoop
5: Dogg, Uh comic (laughs) sand, like hype video. Like I, I think that I was like crying, laughing for 20 minutes. It was the funniest thing I had ever seen. And I was just, again, so impressed that not only did people have the time to suss out, these clues and put together the fact that you know that the gravedigger theory was true which i probably wouldn't have picked up on honestly my first read of the books and that you know piecing it together with the arc of him finally facing his brother again and it's going to be in this trial by combat like i loved that not only had people taken the time to put that together and have discussions about it but now you have people probably spending hours making these youtube videos right and And just it's just a beautiful little piece of the fandom that and and my it, heart. It, it, it
1: was also so funny, like, at the con, like, any time, without fail, any time you start talking about, like, the Clegane Bowl would get hype, like, someone in the audience would have their cell phone ready with the air horn. Yep. You know, it's like it was happening, like, live. It was so cool. Yeah. Um,
5: I love it so much.
1: Yeah, I think I think the Gravedigger is is starting – this is going to be in some form a lock. And I actually think it's – I think it's something that George intends to. There's just too many signs that the Hound – is coming back and that he's in a devout, you know, uh, per- person of the faith now and that the faith is going to need someone to be their champion. I don't think, you know, the Tommen's is going to I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say, but I feel like that we're going to get we're going to get hype in both audio, visual and uh, literary forms. Um, yeah. Do you have because uh, um, we're, we're running out of time for the segment, but do you have what's your what's your new hotness? Like, as, as it, it's been harder, and harder to squeeze uh, fresh juice from the books, especially now that the show's kind of moving beyond and it's it's shutting off avenues of speculation. Uh, have you seen any any like really new fresh theories in the last six months to 12 months that had you kind of like, huh?
5: The last one that really piqued my interest was the idea that Bran Stark, as we know him in the books in the show, is actually all the Brandon's. In history right which like i know that there's a lot of logic fails there but yeah i think the reason why i was so intrigued by that is because we really know so little about how the three-eyed ravens magic works and right. how greensight works that i think that that's going to be the next big like that's the next rich place that people should be able to mine a lot of good theories out of is just because it's like like we just don't know how this works at all. And it's very interesting to think that he might have always been the person who influenced events in the past that are now legends in Westeros. But really it was Bran the whole time because he can apparently, I know that I know that time, at least my understanding of time travel as it's working on the show is that it's a closed loop. So like the Hodor thing, it's like Hodor was always going to become Hodor because Bran was always going to make that mistake. Right. And turn him into Hodor.
1: Right. And so. Stuck in a paracasual loop.
5: Right. And so that's like, that's what's really interesting to me is like, what else, what else have we heard about happening on the show at this point or in the books that might have been something that Bran does but we just haven't seen him do it yet yeah one of those is,
1: theories is that he's like is trying to like he he tries to flex his muscle by like well when did this stuff start to go turn bad like it's when the, yeah, the mad king. so i'm gonna like I'm, I'm gonna try to whisper to the mad king to try and that that's what actually turns the mad king mad and has him being paranoid and it's like you know the more brand tries to change the past the, the more fucked up things get but and then it's right. like I, then it's like you know, there's a whole bunch of question mark question mark question mark, he's also a brand builder who builds the wall and right uh well anyway, uh I know uh first of all, I can't have a three hour podcast and <laughs> and you're super this is this okay. is like we were talking about before, this is like the super Bowl this is like the the week between the Super Bowl that lasts seven weeks for us, uh That's true. so we're all very busy but i i I had so much fun uh on the panel with you, Kim, and I'm so glad that we're able to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll, so we'll be able to collaborate again in the future. Uh, yeah, where, this. where can people that, uh, are loving, loving what they're hearing from you, where can they find you on the internet?
5: Yeah. So all of my game of Thrones articles live on this is insider.com. You can find me there. You can also follow me on Twitter and I usually share out most of the stuff that I'm writing. My handle is just at Kim R Renfro. It's R E N F R O. There's an extra R in there for my middle name, which is Rose. But you don't need to know that, and now you do. <laughs> what's your
1: social security number and last four yeah. digits of your credit card? Uh. Yeah.
5: And uh, I also, I'm I'm the co-host of a podcast myself. It's called Showrunners. Insider started it earlier this year, and every episode we interview the different showrunner of a different series. Uh, so we've talked with Damon Lindelof about his work on The Leftovers.
4: To, Great interview about uh, Brian
5: way. Fuller and Michael Green, who made American Gods, which is really awesome. If you haven't seen that. Uh, so yeah, so you can check that out too. You can find it on iTunes or wherever. And it's just called showrunners by me.
1: Well, once again, Kim, thanks for being on the show. Uh, and hopefully we can have you back real soon.
5: Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, Aaron. Have a great day.
1: Hey everybody. You might be wondering how we produce so much podcast content over a week. And the secret is we talk like William Shatner from time to time. Yeah. Uh, no, the real secret is we're financed through the club. It's, it's largely, uh, audience supported this, this year podcast of ours. Uh, you can go to club.baldmove.com to get a pitch. Uh, and also, something that's what's changed since last year of Game of Thrones is uh, if you sign up, you get 30-day free trial to kind of kick the tires of the program. And the other thing we do is we like breaking off little bits of the bonus content and put them at the end of our podcast. And we're taking... Uh, this week, we released uh, QUIP, which is, stands for Quit Your Pitching, and where Jim and I randomly generate episodes of television shows and movies, and then we take that title... And we try to imagine what that show would be like, and we pitch it. Mm-hmm. And this week, uh, one of the randoms was This Is Your Men. And we hypothesize it's a game show where camera crews follow around men that are about to get engaged to women or married, and they record all this video evidence, and then they show it to the women like, this, look, 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 look <laughs> at what you've done. This is your man. And, and uh, some some startling revelations about our personal lives came out. Uh at the very end of the podcast, if you want to go go through the the, the feedback and whatnot, it'll be tagged onto the end of it. And if you like that, plenty more bonus content where that comes from. There's quips, there's video game playthroughs, there's uh, extended spoiler editions of our first run movies. There is our lunch with Jim and A. Run extravaganza weekly, uh, just general discussion topics, uh, VIP access to forums, ad free feeds, lots more. You can try it for free thirty days, risk free. Uh, by going to club.baldmove.com and checking it out. Okay, uh, time for feedback. First up, Peter R., why is everyone so scared of the Iron Bank? Just how strong is the Iron Bank? What penalty is there for defaulting on their loans? Do you have mm, do you have, uh, I, I know I don't we've know talked about so this much season's like, past. Well, the, the penalty is they'll back your enemies.
0: Right. That's the penalty. Um, and, you know, money, money is a powerful thing. And so if you've got the Iron Bank behind you, they can buy the ships, they can buy the men, they can buy a lot of things to combat you uh, if you're not on their good side.
1: Right. And not only that, but they also have available to them in Bravos the Faceless Men. Right. And they have a shit ton of money that they could send, uh, they, they could buy an assassin to, to send after your ass. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they can they can fund entire armies, and Cersei has no shortage of enemies. Yeah. Um, and she has a somewhat shortage, shortage of gold temporarily it seems but yeah you're right it's not like they have a fearsome military arm it's just that they have a ton of money that they can stop giving you and give to your enemies yep uh john s i have one point of contention though with something that i think has been discussed every episode this season the double d's writing fan fiction and didn't sign up for this they expected the books to be done by now so it's really germ's fault the books came out as thus a game of thrones in 1996 a clash of kings in 1998 A Storm of Swords in 2000, A Feast for Crows in Hmm. 2005, A Dance with Dragons in 2011. Based on this pattern, with more and more going on in Gurm's life and with him getting older, why would anyone go and make the assumptions that Book Six would be finished before 2017, and let alone that he'd finish Seven before 2018? I've seen people advance this argument a lot, Josh, and here's my response. George himself said the reason A Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons took so long to write is because of this Miranese knot that he said that he had worked himself into, that he had this five-year time gap that was going to flash, flash forward to the end of the series, and then he decided he couldn't do that, so then he had to write all these stories, and now all of his heroes are spread tither and yon throughout the Earth. And that once he got Feast and Dance done, it was going to be smooth, because he had the end in sight, and he had everything poised in the stage set, and it was going to be smooth sailing. These were his statements he made. In 2014, yeah. uh, a Winds of Winter was months away. In 2015, Winds of Winter was months away. In 2016, Winds of Winter was months away. Like, it's not, I mean, because if 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 he was just saying, like, hey, I'm getting older and more busy, it's taking me longer times between, between books, I think you could turn that back around to the Double D's, but everyone expected that he would be back to his old speedy self getting these books out because he had solved his self-created problem of how they bring all these people back together. Mm-hmm. But I think he was lying to himself and others, and his this is where his gardening technique has completely gotten mired in the mud. Yeah. So I'm still not letting him off the hook because all of his public statements, if you re- were to rely on them um, – and he gave he gave good reasons. Like, okay, I had this one one plot snag – and once I'm done with that, it's smooth sailing. Like, why wouldn't you believe him?
0: Yeah, no, it seems like the danger of the gardening strategy when you're a writer. Uh, things can just kind of balloon and balloon and balloon, and eventually you've got so much material and so many ideas that trying to bring that to any satisfying conclusion
1: right. can become a nightmare. But when know? yeah, he says that like if he re- he releases his most difficult book in 2011, that's mm-hmm. six years ago. Like and he just has to finish the last two the last two books. I, I don't know what the hell's going on because I remember <laughs> thinking when I got to the end of the dance, like, wow, it's not like I see so many things in motion and so many balls in the air and it wasn't like I was kinda like, Well genius, because he's got so many there's so much chafe or chaff and smoke in the air that you can't see that's like he's done an excellent job of like obscuring where he's going from the readers. I think he might have obscured it from himself. Yeah. And I don't know that he himself knows which are the red herrings and which are the true things, and I I don't know. I can't figure it out, but I'm not inclined to uh, let him off the hook and and put the blame back on the Double Ds for... I think there's uh, enough blame to go around. You know, the Double
0: Ds, yeah, they didn't sign up for this, but when they saw the writing on the wall, um, as much as there was... We're supposed
1: to do bail in Season 4? No, no, no. (laughs)
0: You're you're supposed to say, okay, now we have to write a show, you know? And if we need to hire writers to do that who aren't just, you know... Uh,
1: people who want to translate this to the screen, mm. um, that's what you're going to have to do. I mean, yeah, there. I mean, that's the thing is, like, uh, from my perspective, they have, they are living up to their bargain. It's not perfect. It's certainly yeah, yeah. not the books, but I think we. And it remains to be seen, right? We got what eight more episodes? No, seven more episodes. Uh, and in for the uh, eight, however many episodes <laughs> we got, six, <laughs> yeah. I think it's four like left ten. this year yeah. and six next. Oh, it's a ten. Yeah. We got a whole like essentially season of Game of Thrones ahead of us. It remains to be seen whether it's wrapped up satisfi- satisfactorily, sure. but it will be wrapped up, which mm-hmm. is more than I think I can say for George Martin and his his series at this point. Yep. Uh, Daniel C. As a heads up, the guy who created the Valerian language said in an interview that the word Valencar is not gender neutral and spe- it specifically means little brother. While the term for prince princess may be gender neutral, not all nouns Valerian nouns are, including brother. So the Arya theories are unfortunately dead in the water. Yeah, I think you're right, hmm. uh, especially since if you look at the full quote of the prophecy, it's when your tears have drowned you, the Valankar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat and choke the life from you. So they're they're wrapping the term Valankar with another gendered uh, pronoun. Mm-hmm. So... And I as I was thinking about this cuz at first I'm like, "Well, shut up, Daniel. You're 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 making this less cool." <laughs> uh, but I I it does feel a little cute that like you get this little verbal linguistic key to unlock everything is... that you can just yeah. apply. It. It's, you know, it it's actually crazy because it's now more, one more layer of the glamoring faceless men, secret Targaryen, anyone can be anything. Yeah. And now any gender can be any like, you know, that's very progressive, but uh it's frustrating when you're trying to nail down prophecies and plot. Yeah. Uh so good point, Daniel. Uh Sherry W with uh what are your thoughts on the show ending versus the book ending? I would assume that George at least gave a high level endpoint to D to double D, so the conclusion is the same. I'd also assume that the journey to end could vary wildly. But with all the foreshadowing of puzzle pieces and Easter eggs that George loves, how different can they really be? Also, do you think there's a chance that HBO ends with Wins and the very last book, which I'm choosing to believe will come, is the rebuilding not touched on by the show and therefore a prize to readers?
0: Hmm. Uh, that'd be an interesting idea if that's the way he went.
1: Yeah, if like Winds of Winter is actually wraps up like where the uh, HBO series ends and then A Dream yeah. of Spring is the rebuilding of it. Um, I don't know. It's a hell of a denouement. I mean, that's like a full book-length version of this, the, the the scouring of the Shire.
0: Maybe it could be a shorter book than his usual fare. Yeah. Uh, but I think that would actually be a cool way to win back a lot of goodwill from the fans, right? Yeah. Like, you released this book that clearly wraps up where the show did, and you're like, that's the end of the story, but he's got another book he's writing right, uh, in the series. So, yeah, maybe.
1: And alternately... Like, if that's not his plan, he writes seven books. If he has time, to write an eight where they talk about the rebuilding and maybe introduce yeah. a new crime. I don't know. Because like, you can't... The other thing is, like, um, all stories require conflict. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a conflict, then it's, it's by definition uh, someone just droning on about their day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder how you would have this, like, peaceful rebuilding process that wasn't interrupted by the return of the Lannisters or... You know, Essos declaring war on Westeros or something crazy. One like of the that. dragons goes crazy, right? And then you're right back to essentially, you know, you're you, it's it's no longer the peaceful, happy ending you're wanting with rainbows and kittens. Yeah. The other thing is, like, I don't, I don't know how strong George will be sticking to his ending that he has in mind right now, hmm. because I can imagine a scenario where the double Ds do their fan fiction and it's it, it's it's entire like you know it's a simplified version but it's a pretty faithful in game state for game of thrones people like have a negative reaction or mixed or let's say the end of let's say the end of game of thrones is kind of treated the way the end of the lost is where some people love it a lot of, some people hate it mixed reviews all around the temptation to alter that in hindsight Mm -hmm. is so strong and i think if anything george martin is as human as any of us i don't know that he could i don't know that that, like i don't know how strong you'd have to be to go ahead and tell your version of the story and think well i'll just be the longer version and i'll have more backstory and it'll be it'll work better that way Mm -hmm. i think the temptation to fuck with it would be very strong yeah i think there are a lot of ways it could
0: turn out differently um that's one of them certainly if it's a bad ending in the show people don't like it and he wants to change it um, the other way it could turn out differently is somewhere along the line as he's gardening this story toward its conclusion he changes his mind on what he wants to do at the end right um and it just
1: doesn't end up lining up with the show exactly well that's the thing because like he's changed his mind about a lot of stuff right. and he's continually changing his mind and that's fine at, at this stage right? like even if even if he said like, "Oh, I just had an organic thought at the end," and this uh, the television you show it? <laughs> never influenced me, can you possibly believe that? Right? And like, what kind of shit show he said, sh- they said, kind of situation is going to be between the double Ds and George? And mm-hmm. sounds it sounds unpleasant. No, it's sticky. I I don't like anything about it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, this like, um, but I will say this: I Sheree, I really don't think you're going to get a Dream of Spring. No? I just don't see it happening. Like, if we don't get a win, like, George is already hedging whether wins will come out in 2018. And I think he'll be 70 next year. Hmm. Yeah. You really think you're going to get two more books out of this guy?
0: Yeah, I mean if he keeps producing books every prime numbered year, <laughs> he's probably right. not
1: gonna get there. I mean, maybe this is the real Miranese knot that he's <laughs> like this is the Dragonstonian knot or whatever that uh-huh. he's because like, oh shit, I got Danny on Dragonstone and I burnt her navy. Damn it. I'm right yeah. back where I'm uh I, I I don't know. I'm just I'm really cynical at this point. And you can hear you I mean, I've been talking about this for seven years now. <laughs> you can hear that that's that's a new phenomenon. Uh, I don't even think I was that way last year, but this 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 year and a half wait for the show, I've just completely turned it around and snapped. And like, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think yeah. this this fan fiction screen adaptation is going to be the definitive end of Game of Thrones, The Song of Ice and Fire. Fine with me. Fine with me. <laughs> I haven't read the books. Don't
0: plan to. So,
1: must be nice. Yeah. Uh, Andy S. I submit these ideas for Gurm nicknames. I Remember, we 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 talked about this. Mm-hmm. Uh George the bloater, the bloater. Okay, George, that that works mean. in a lot that's of different harsh, levels. Harsh, so, but okay. I don't think I think he's talking about he's word talking about count. The books. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. George the story bungler. <laughs> that's... Has he bungled the story yet? I don't. Well, if you don't release the end of the story, that's a that's a bungle, right? Yeah, but he hasn't got to that point yet. If he dies, we can call him the story bungler. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a not entirely small subsection of the fan base that has been saying this for years. That, like, if y'all can't admit that Feast and Dance are a steep decline from his original three books, then I don't know what to tell you. Hmm. And that, honestly, was my first impression when I got through it. But then I read it again, and I started reading some of the... You know, blog post about like the really complex political stuff going on. With Danny, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe this, maybe this is not. It maybe it's good in a different way. It's not as like page turning. But then again, if like if he had all that stuff, all that political complexity, and it was a page turner, and now he's got political complexity and it's a little bit of a snooze, like yeah. that's still subjectively worse, right? I, I mean, I would probably say it. Yeah. So maybe he has bungled it, and we just haven't know. It's Schrodinger's bungle right now. <laughs> uh, George the Unfinisher. <laughs> uh, or we could go with gardening metaphors.
0: Oh, God, he goes around unfinishing people's books. <laughs> oh, it's a nice series you got there, Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, you done with that? Ah, oh, it's unfinished. Sorry. He's like Matthew McConaughey. You got McCona- three more books he's,
1: to write? He's like Matthew McConaughey in The Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Stop writing. <laughs> Writer's block. And the guy's like, ah! Yeah. Uh, goes, or we could go with some gardening metaphors. George of the Dull Shears. <sighs> George the, the Anti-Pruner george the gardener wilder <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i, I feel like said, i'm having I, too much fun with this
0: concept and and just kicking the guy a little bit when he's down i mean he's right. not down he's right. as high as anybody's ever been but i don't know
1: i like the the the, the hope slayer i think that's pretty hope slayer because nice because there's a lot of people called the hype hype slayers if they were like going against yeah. the clegane bowl theory but, yeah, like, we – I I mean, I've watched it in the Reddit. Like, people going from, like, hope to expectation to mm-hmm. denial to, like, angst. And now it's, like, it's acceptance. Like, you know, I'll be – the majority of opinion to fan base seems like I'll be pleasantly surprised if we get an ending. Wow. But I no longer am, like, on pins and needles about it. Yeah. Uh, he also says we did not properly vet the Arbor Gold hypothesis. Uh, and his intention is essentially in Game of Thrones, everyone's scheming all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'd have to you'd have to go all the times people are having a conversation while they're being duplicitous. Right. Compare what they're drinking and seeing if Arbor Gold is more frequently than the others. So, there's a research project for you kids. <laughs> if you all want right. to dispar- prove the Arbor Gold uh, uh, hypothesis, you'd have to record every interaction where people are lying in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Index what they're drinking and and see see if Arbor Gold comes out on top. I
0: feel like Tyrion's going to tip the balance in that. Like he's it's going to hinge on him because mm. he's so frequently drinking. But Tyrion he, and Cersei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be the ones. Like you know, if you get through their storylines, right, and you find that there's an outcome, I'd say just go with it, right. Because nobody can out drink them.
1: Uh, Eric E., in reference to the stallion that mounts the world, Daenerys Targaryen's unborn son was announced to be, uh, by the Dosh Kaleen to be the prophesied figure. But doesn't Danny also walk out of the fire with her now-dead Khal Drogo, uh, of her, I'm sorry. But doesn't Danny also walk out of the fire of her now-dead Khal Drogo with her new child on her shoulder, born from the same fires that renewed Danny and made her the new supreme leader? Is it not possible that Drogon is a stallion that mounts the world?
2: Hmm. I mean,
1: Why would you put primacy on Drogon, though? Because All three of them were there, yeah. Right. And the other two, uh, Rhaegal Reg- and Viserion, are named after actual Targaryens. Mm-hmm. I know Drogon's the biggest, but also it's like, what is the firstborn when they're all born in one magical conflagration? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting theory. The other thing is like... I find I'm a little bit impatient with theories that want to like it's fine to like okay, uh George has hinted that this male could be a female because of some linguistic trick to just like say that a a child that's gonna that's gonna mount the world is now a dragon mm-hmm. every every time you step away from a literal interpretation of a prophecy, I get a little bit jaded and skeptical about it,
0: yeah, um. It becomes tough when you throw in the term "mother of dragons" because she is very much the mother of
1: these. She's not mother of stillborn children. No one calls her that. No. Or maybe they did. Maybe 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 (laughs) Miss Sandy starts and she's like, no, no, leave that one off. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I mean, when you throw in the idea that she is the mother of these beasts, um, it's not that far off. Like, it's not implausible. I guess that's true. If if she weren't called Mother of Dragons, I would I would and treated them like her children and right. like they were people and beings uh, right. in their own right, then maybe I would be a little less on board with this. But I suppose it's so. Possible. You like it? Yeah, yeah. All right.
1: I don't have all the the book background to justify any of it, but sure. Um, and, and plus also the desire to the to I think the ultimate goal for Martin is to have a satisfying explanation of a prophetic turning true with the minimum amount of people seeing it from the beginning. Right. Like, in hindsight, you're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. But reading it, it's very shrouded in mystery. Yeah. And you got to decide whether what is – because you can also, like, just have – I don't know. Well, it turns out you had to read the prophecy backwards. It's an Uh, anagram. Right. And, like, is that fair? No you know, I, like Lord I Voldemort think so. is the stallion of the mounts the, the world. Like where where do you draw the line on that? It's uh-huh. it's tough. Um M. Night Sham Alliance so hasn't figured it out. <laughs> uh H. A&H. So I'm reading the first books and I just came upon the part where Robert and Ned are in the crypt and I had this sudden realization none of these bodies have been burnt. If the White Walkers come past the wall, do you think that all the deceased Stark lords and ladies and kings of old will rise from the dead and become White Walkers? Is there anything further along the books about what level of decay someone would be at to not be able to be resurrected? Yeah, that's a fucked up image. Yeah, all <laughs> of the like Stark of... families just coming and fighting against them. Yeah. I will say that there's some hints in the text that you might be getting to, Annie, that like these... These statues are all seated with direwolves at their feet and they all have an actual iron sword laid across their lap, which is the way that a Stark would would, would meet a, a hostile person. I think they do this in the series where when Tyrion comes back after Bran's been crippled, he's sitting in the high seat and he's got a sword drawn across his lap as like a warning, like mm-hmm. you know, step step carefully or I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you. And there's been some theories and speculation that um if you go you know I, I know george doesn't like to use tropes but he also um definitely leans on them like his dragons are not materially different than dragons you get in a lot of fantasy and sure. one of those consistent tropes of fantasy is that iron uh interferes with magic uh, a couple things hmm. like iron, running water, several different things keep prevent magic from from happening. So there's been a theory that like the reason that the Winterfell at the heart of the resistance of Winter, these lords are interred and not buried, um, and they have these iron swords across the lap, is that's like a magical barrier to keep the others from resurrecting them. Hmm. Okay, uh, interesting. But that's again, that's that's pure speculation based on those details that we've got, and kind of like going with the meta conversation of, of fantasy literature. Jim you're from Rhode Island uh must, it, it, relation of yours uh yeah yeah me and me and Jim we're twins
0: long you, you're, lost you you're of the New Hampshire Jim's, right i am you know okay. but i migrated there after
1: uh you know just a real real bad time up in Rhode Island <laughs> <laughs> uh you did you not feel welcome at, in, in in Worcester no all right Uh, I've been thinking about your comments about how it would be difficult or unbelievable to introduce things such as the dragon binder horn and ice spiders this late in the game. But do you think the Double Ds would use Sam as that mechanism? We've already seen the knife used in the attack on Bran and the book that he was going through, so I could very easily see him turn a page and say, Damn, there's this horn that can control dragons, or, yikes, those dudes can ride giant spiders? I fully expect Sam to have more aha moments in his reading so I can easily see him being used as a vehicle to introduce never seen before items or magic. Yeah, that's I mean, totally fair. But but I can see that. I can, you know, obviously you wrote the very shittiest version of that, Jim. Of course. Uh, and and the thing is, is, like, to the extent that it's closer to him, like, crikey, look at the size <laughs> of these spiders and this scroll. Uh, that, I just feel like... When I say introducing this late in the game, there's an implicit clause in there which like you can't literally just mention something in the episode it occurs or the episode before it occurs and have it be as satisfying as something that you hint from seasons long ago that pays off, yeah. Um, Because obviously, if you only have to fool a person or introduce a concept uh, like the chapter before, it's not nearly the degree of difficulty of doing something several chapters or books before. Mm -hmm. So I, I still think even that caveat, yes, yes, Sam can be the conduit of all kinds of arcane knowledge. But it can still come across as out of nowhere if you just have him read a very specific thing and then the next episode, boom, ice spiders.
0: Yeah, and that kind of thing wouldn't service his character at all, right? Like, I want Sam to be the guy who figures it out. Yes. Not the guy who just reads it in a book of of a maester who figured it out years and years and years before. Right. Like, I want him to put together information from two disparate books that... Nobody
1: had put and together and synthesize
0: before. that, right? And yeah. then come up with the conclusion aha, this is what we need to do, or this is that horn or something like that would be cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought that's and that's exactly you hit the nail on the head. Like, if he just reads it, it's not special. No, it's, it's he didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, Cole and Sean of House Dorchester, I believe this may have been discussed by you guys in past seasons, but is there a chance the show explores the idea of Brand going back in time and actually causing the Mad King to go mad? We have seen the extent to which he can affect the lives of others through Hodor, and it almost seems like Ned could hear him when Bran screamed his name last season in a vision in Winterfell. I think we've talked about this briefly before, right? We have, and that's the thing. is like, uh, you know, to the extent that our audience is three times larger than it was last year, like 66% is like, well, this is new information to us. Um, That's a very popular theory the fact that Bran, you know that they've introduced this kind of closed loop casual casual time travel
2: mm-hmm.
1: that people are going the people have theorized that you know brand's you know now that he's he's seen that he can affect the past with his father hearing him and Hodor going insane that he's going to be like well shit i'll just go a couple i'll 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 rewind a couple moves of this game and one of the first stops would be like when was my family not fucked up and you have Uh to go all the way back before his grandfather was burnt and his uncle was killed which screwed up marriage alliances like and he might try to be well I just need to keep the the mad king from going crazy Mm. and his manipulations and his whispering actually drives the mad king because the mad king didn't pop out crazy like by all accounts he's a very charming skillful ruler until a certain point where he just started suspecting everybody and becoming a menace to the realm Mm -hmm. uh so that that's actually a pretty popular theory that Bran, Bran gets in there and, and, and fucks with him with this whispering.
0: One minor correction. I don't yes. think Hodor went crazy. I think he just went mute. Well, not even mute. Well, I mean, what would I think you... he was able to to perceive reality as it occurs. I guess
1: that's true. There's nothing to yeah. say that Hodor wasn't aware of the world he was. But I don't, don't yeah. you think that Hodor was a little bit more simple than the Willis? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So I think it damage. diminished
0: his, his capacity, okay. um, but... I don't think he was crazy. You're
1: right. You're right. Crazy is not the right word. Yeah. He d- diminished in capacity. Let's we'll leave it at that. Uh, Leslie, when I fa- when I saw the final scene of Ilari and Tyene in the ju- dungeon, both chained up but just out of reach from each other, it, I felt it foreshadowed the Cersei's fate is going to mirror that of the Mad King. When Brandon uh, and Rickard Stark meet their fate, which is doled out by the Mad King, Brandon was chained up by his neck while he watches his father burn to death. As you know, the Mad King plays a statistic game where he tells Brandon that if he can reach his father and set him free, they're free to leave knowing that Rickon is just out of his reach. Irrespective of how people feel about Tyene, whether or not Cersei was justified, this is a strong parallel view of how the Mad King executed the Starks. The visual of the loved one slowly dying while being forced to be a tiny bit short of the other person's reach wasn't arbitrary on the part of the writers or director. Um no, I like this. It's it's a piece of foreshadowing that's only meaningful in terms of book readers. Because I think the show reader – I mean, the show watchers know about this past, but I don't think they have the particular details yeah. of, uh, of that. So at one level, it could just be a nod to book readers. Uh, and another, it could be – like the stronger form of that would be its foreshadowing, as you said. So mm-hmm. I like it. Why not? Um, also, uh, if Cersei – and so – if you if you follow that through, if you follow that through rationally or logically, this is more, I guess, evidence that Jamie will turn out to be the Valonqar, because if it's foreshadowing Cersei's end, and Cersei's the Mad King, the Mad King's end was getting stabbed between the, the shoulder blades by one Jamie Lannister, mm-hmm. so. Hmm. Possibly with Arya wearing his face. <laughs> that's a, that's. A, I was I, the thing I want to say about this this uh, language expert and all that. It's like, yeah, does that really put the kibosh on the Arya theory? Because like, if Arya's wearing Jamie's face, it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's yeah. a prophecy. Yeah, I don't I, know. I don't know. I was gonna bring that up, but uh. I, I still I still think it feels I, it feels most right for Jamie to be the one to put the end to Cersei. Yeah, he's She's largely a monster that he was, was complicit in the creation of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the history of protecting the realm, uh, putting his honor and making personal sacrifices to do so. Uh, I, I, it just feels right for him to do it. Yep. Pete B. Hey, fellas, I think it's extremely curious that we got a mention of the name of Jamie's sword, Widow's Whale, from the final conversation between Jamie and the Queen of Thorns. Say, Jim, do you know any... Widows that Jamie's associated hmm. with.
0: Hmm. There is that that queen who got some justice last episode. <laughs>
1: right. The problem with this is like does that track? Because widows wail is like the lamentation a woman makes when you kill her husband. Right. But I guess it works just as a, she's screaming as she's being skewered by this Valerian steel blade. Yeah. She's literally a widow wailing. Uh huh. I guess that would work. I'd let it I'd let it pass. You'd allow it? I'd allow it, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh moving on to James H. When I heard Brand talking about Sansa's wedding night, I wondered if it was a sneaky callback to the books. In the books at the wedding of Ramsay and Fake Arya, Theon thinks he hears his name whispered by the wind. Since the Tower of Joy scene last season, it's been widely speculated that many whispers in the wind might have been Bran traveling through time and making connections or changing the past. Mm-hmm. I can't help but speculate that this could be a callback by the show to the books making the connection between Bran and his presence at Sansa's wedding. I'm not sure I think it's necessarily important to the story, mm-hmm. but I thought it'd be interesting nonetheless. No, I I think you're right. I think that um, the question now becomes what all does Bran know? Yeah. Because... If Bran literally knows everything, and it's just a matter of him mentally sorting through, like, you know, things are really bad for Littlefinger, and things are little, like... And, and and can he... What is his ability to see things as they currently happen? Like, is he is he able to keep tabs on the Night King? Is he able to keep tabs on Cersei? Because, as a lot of people... We're going to be discussing this in the main podcast, but uh, a lot of people wrote in to say that what... That Tyrion and Danny's chief problem this year has been one of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Not smarts, but, like, military intelligence. They didn't know the movements of their enemies, and Bran could be that guy who uh, replaces Varus' lost little, you know, little bird network with his own, like, Raven site. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Where do you stand on that? Bran as the military coordinator slash high spy.
0: Yeah, I certainly think it's possible if he kind of knows what he needs to look at, because I think, like, okay, Sam walks into the Citadel and he sees this vast library and he'll never be able to read all these books in his entire life um, and I think about the sheer volume of information that Bran has access to right? the, the goings on of everyone who's ever lived and right. ever will live um, it seems like Bran has a lot of sorting to do but if he knows if he can direct himself and say here are the important things that I need to get to he might be able to help out
1: yeah because that's that's a good way to look at his like maybe it's i don't know if it's the way but it's an interesting conceptual like we have at our fingertips the sum total of human knowledge right uh but i don't know everything and and you can't so just because you have access to it and it's easily available you have to know the right questions to ask and the right place to look for the information that would be handy at this time and right like it could be that brands Brain is, like, a giant library that has no Dewey Decimal System. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I wonder, because that, I guess that's one of the chief disappointments when he's doing this, you know, well, oh, it's just so hard to explain, and, like, try, because I'm very desperate to get a glimpse of how this actually works mechanically. Right. And for him to be like, I just can't explain it, it just felt like <laughs> bad news to me. He should have said I won't. I won't explain it.
4: Or your simple mind I just can't grasp it.
1: Yeah. You spent too much of your time worrying about hair and dresses, Sansa. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And it's just done you no good. Uh, Giniel wants to know our take on Howland Reed. Specifically, I'm wondering why none of the Starks or other northern bannermen have brought him up or his army of Cranogmen. After the Battle of the Bastards, Leanna Mormont emphasizes answering the call, yet nobody stands up and says, Hey! Where the hell's Howland Reed been for the past seven years? I understand it narratively he couldn't show up until after R plus L equals J has been revealed, but why couldn't he have sent his army to aid in any of the wars? Even early on in the books and show, he sent only Jojen and Mira to uh, represent House Reed, uh, and they didn't even end up traveling with Robb's army or attending the war councils. Similar events have happened in the series, and they've all have discussed, uh, all been discussed. Two examples, the Vale not taking part into the war, and Lord Walder Frey not showing up until after the battle and being nicknamed the late Lord Walder Frey. I guess I just find it strange that House Reed pretty much gets a pass on fighting and nobody thinks poorly of them. I mean, wasn't this Ned Stark's most trusted friend? Um. Uh, so if I were to try to explain this with nothing in the show, because nothing in the show is explaining this, is mm. that the, the the House Reed and their credit men are like designed from the ground up to fight in this rough, marshy, swampy terrain of the Neck, and that the Starks have long seen them as like the bulwark of their defenses because if you need to go up north, you got to cross the neck and across the neck, you got, you got to go through Howland Reed's territory and him and his poison arrowed soldiers will bleed you. And in the books that actually happens, hmm. the ironborn get, get, get bogged down because the Crannogmen men are just kicking their ass with these guerrilla tactics. So they oh. are a big, they are a, a larger part of, of, of the force. Um, in the shows uh, that hasn't been as, as big of a deal. And oh. in fact, I don't, I don't – did Howland Reed get mentioned when Ned was getting his vision of the – or when Bran was getting his vision of Ned at the Tower of Joy? I don't feel like any of Ned's men were were identified by name. I don't think so, no. So uh, I don't – I mean, I always thought up until recent seasons of Game of Thrones that Howland Reed was going to show up at some point and be like the Obi-Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. in in, in and explain John, his parentage, and what, is his, what Ned was trying to do this whole time. But it seems like as we get further and further into the series, that's not as important as I initially suspected. Yeah. And the Bran or Sam, or maybe both of them together, is going to be the vector of this knowledge. But Mira's still kicking around, so... And she's a Reed, and there's there's your show connection. I just I, I I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean Helen Reed
1: as as a show watcher, Helen Reed is not really on my radar anymore. And you gotta think like, what if some previous like what if some rarely mentioned Northern Lord right rides up with like an army of frogmen, yeah, with poison tipped spears? Like, is that too close to like a dragon? like, just a out of nowhere for a casual watcher, uh, because that's that's what all this is pitched at. Like, if Game of Thrones cannot withstand scrutiny from this casual watcher, then they fucked up. Sure. Like, yeah. the casual watcher does not listen to podcasts. No, we not... talk about this all the time on Walking Dead, right? Right. They don't do yeah. the second screen experience. It, they're relying on the previous ons and the shit that they've watched over the last seven years not obsessively Yeah. So uh, that's why I discount some of this stuff. It's, it's a little meta, but I do think it's important. hmm So uh, let's move on to Zoe C., So you know how Bran is being a bit of a dick to Sansa when it came to explaining about being a three-eyed raven? As she said, I thought you were the three-eyed raven, and he said it's hard to explain. Do you think he has always been the three-eyed raven, almost in some sort of perpetual time loop? So it's complicated because he taught himself how to be the raven. I know it risks being a bit too sci-fi with him being uh, being a constant point in time, but I think it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I think
0: when Hodor died... Uh, we had a small conversation about this, yeah, because um, it was clear that there was some kind of like time travel potential involved, right. um, and that's one of the ideas, you know, that he is actually either Brand the Builder or that right. he is uh, the three-eyed Raven. It always has been. Mm-hmm. It's certainly possible, um, and I, I think it actually, I kind of like it. Um, but what, from a narrative standpoint. My,
1: my question is, because uh, Kim and I got in a little bit of, of that in the, the previous segment, uh-huh. but I guess my question is, it can't literally be that Brand's always been the Three-Eyed Raven. You could say that maybe the Three-Eyed Raven is an a extra consciousness or mantle that multiple people can inherit because hmm. we absolutely – I mean, we don't know – but, like, it's very clear in the books that the Three-Eyed Raven is Brendan Rivers, who was oh. uh, a character from, a hun- you know, the Dunkin' Egg series 100 years ago mm-hmm. that was the Hand of the King. And then, uh, you know, there's – he – I think we talked about this in the, the first spoiler edition, but uh, he promised one of the Blackfires safe passage to go uh, f- the, to attend this council where he was going to put forth his claim to the throne during uh, the, one of these – targaryen rebellions and brendan said yeah sure buddy come on over and as soon as he landed immediately had him killed (laughs) and when the rightful king took the place he banished uh brendan to the wall because he essentially made the king the 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 royal word mean nothing like if that wasn't punished you could never trust anything that the iron throne said so then from the wall there it gets a little bit murkier but uh, the tale goes that he was ranging north of the wall and he found this cave, and he never came out. and He became the Three-Eyed Raven. Hmm. So Bran literally cannot be the same person as the Three-Eyed Raven. So now you're talking okay. about, like, do they have some sort of universal consciousness that inhabits their body that, like, a fucking trill from Deep Space Nine. Sure. So when you become the Three-Eyed Raven, you've always been the Three-Eyed Raven, but not in any kind of literal human sense of the word? Hmm. That's the way I look at it. Okay. And that's still a pretty sci-fi concept. I mean, it's Deep Space Nine, for God's sakes. Uh, moving on. Christopher E. I've been listening to your podcast on Season 7. I have a speculation about Arya's seasons long death cult side quest. What if the Faceless Men want her to play her role in Westeros in order to keep the Army of the Dead dead? Is there anything that links the Faceless Men to the Army of the Dead? I can't imagine the god they worship would be happy with people returning to life, so maybe they want her to go postal in order her, for her to eventually help stop the Night King. Oof. You guys know any background on this Faceless Cult? I mean, just from the, the surface-level reading of it, that's a pretty risky
0: plan. Like, I don't know what insight the Faceless Men have into the future, right? Yeah. Like, can they see the future? Do they know that these are the things that need to be done? Are they more like Melisandre? They're reading right. tea leaves and hoping they got the right interpretation? Right. Um, seems pretty risky. Right. In my
1: eyes. Um, so I, what I can tell about the Faceless Men is, like, almost all Bravosi institutions, they hate slavery, because Bravos was founded by a, a, a troop of escaped slaves that, right. that evaded their masters and settled down on these free cities, um, and they also worship death. So I actually thought that uh, to, to, to speak to your point, Christopher, that it would it would be interesting if Arya would have to like kill John or like these other people to come back to life because that is an anathema. Like you're you're stealing from the yeah. the God of Death in right. a literal way. Now George kind of muddied the waters for me in that that article I mentioned two weeks ago, where he says that he's kind of intending that Lord of the Light uh, the, when when people come back from the dead, like Cat, like uh, uh, like Beric Dundarian, like Jon Snow. That they are like fire whites as opposed to what the Night King is doing making these ice whites. Mm-hmm. Because to me, these ice whites are not alive any more than like the zombies in The Walking Dead are. Right. Uh, so if they're – if, if but but the other thing that's interesting is that none of the ice whites, with the exception of Benjen Stark, have any kind of humanity left to them. Mm-hmm. And then also, on the other hand, um, they 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 also make it a point to say that these fire whites are lose a bit of themselves every single time they come back. Now we haven't really seen that with John, um, but we certainly have, they've, they've talked about it with uh, uh, Barrick. So yeah. I'm a little bit up in the air. Um, if anything, I would think that the faceless men would support the Night King. Because I would think, in a weird, twisted way, giving the gift of death to all of humanity would be their highest religious calling.
0: Yeah, I think isn't that kind of what he's saying in the email? Um, th- well, they're see, hoping that Arya will do the things. But she said, "In to order,
1: I want to keep the army of the dead dead." Which he's like implying that maybe she's going to oh. like be a force hmm. to defeat the Night King. And I think if I would, I would okay. think the opposite gotcha. motivation would be there. They're worshiping death. How do you worship death? Kill everyone. Uh huh. Including themselves, but, but
0: what if that means that the people who die aren't dead? They're in fact this undead state. Of, that's that's where like then you're, he's saying, you're you're right?
1: you're off the pages and, and you're just engaging in a debate. Yeah, but, which is fine. But I don't have anything authoritative to say about are those zombies really dead? Are they alive? <laughs> right. uh-huh. Do the do, do the does the Night King see them as sentient or does he treat them as thralls? Yeah, um, they don't seem to be any kind of version of alive. I would say, but then again, Benjen's running around uh you know with his 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 right mind so it's insufficient data say that uh jenny second john the second john says i am not a stark and a dragon flies over his head you guys don't even mention it uh was so was it regal the dragon that was named for his father um i I don't know if i just butchered this or i just the the i don't don't know because (laughs) it's non sequiturs yeah um She's saying, essentially, that we didn't call out the fact that John says, I'm not a Stark, and then a dragon buzzes over his head. And she's also further supposing that the dragon buzzed over his head is Rhaegal, the dragon that's named after his father. So I'm like, oh, shit, that seems cool. Went and rewound it. So Rhaegal's supposed to be green and copper with cream-colored wings, and it's tough Mm -hmm. to tell because they've really desaturated all the dragons. So I find it very hard to tell them apart. Like, Drogon is easier, because he's the biggest, and he's, like, all black and, and dark crimson. But you need to see him side by side to really... But I will say that I don't think that was Drogon, and he did okay. look green and coppery, and maybe those wings are supposed to be cream-colored. So if so, good good spot, Jin, because that's, that's a really, really awesome detail, that he says, I'm not a Stark, and then his father's dragon buzzes him to remind him, hell no, you're not, you're a Targaryen. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I kind of feel dumb for not picking that up. <laughs> But again, I, I find it very hard to keep those dragons uh, apart. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen W. Given the enormous task of building the wall after the long night, why do you think the alliance of men and children of the forest, having already defeated the White Walkers, didn't instead do the relatively easier thing and hunt down any remaining White Walkers and eradicate them completely once and for all? It's cold. It's cold up north. Yeah, they wanted like, to go as north as they needed to just to
0: <laughs> to build a wall. No, wh-
1: uh, why did humans only go to the North Pole? Sometime between 1908 and 1909. Like, uh, it's super fucking hard with Bronze Age, you know, Iron Age technology to mount an expedition to the top of the world. Yeah. Or maybe maybe they,
0: maybe they thought they got them all. Right. You know,
1: and they built the wall just in case. Right. Um,
0: but I don't know. I, I, I really don't know enough about that. I mean, you're talking about event. events that happened
1: 8,000 years ago and are shrouded in myth and legend. Right. And right now you've got these people trying to figure out what's myth, what's fact, what's not. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can think of some reasons why they would have like again, like like Jim said, they they could have thought they got them all, and they just you know were tricked, or they thought the knight's king was dead, and he regenerated after a couple thousand years, or it could be that it's just too fucking cold up there. You freeze to death and run out of supplies before you your your tauntauns freeze before you get to the first marker. (laughs) Yeah, and then what do you do? You cut them open, you climb inside. Then the next night, no more tauntaun. No, it freezes off. That's that'll happen. Right, just like an night, just breaks off like an icicle. Uh Benjamin P, huge fan of the pod. Uh in the seven uh seven oh three deep dive y'all talked about the beginning. Uh in the beginning about how you don't understand why Jamie is still on Team Cersei and how you thought the wildfire would have been the last draw. But I think Gurm and the Double D's might have some strong deception at play and be keeping them together for a while until they drop the biggest plot twist of a long time. The fact that Jamie is Azor Ahai. Uh, he explains this thus. Now, before I start this, um, first of all, feel free to ask what the fuck I'm talking about at any point, because I'm not sure if we've ever talked about this since in your era of the podcast. Yep, um, Azor Ahai essentially being equated with the prince that was promised, right? And do you know the, 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 the Nisa Nisa backstory? About, I've heard it, but I don't so remember. So Azor Ahai, uh The the legend goes that Zorahai knew he needed a a weapon to defeat the the White Walkers. So he took us he he was he was this uh you know, swordsmith and he he takes quenching it in the heart and the lion. Yeah, he takes he takes thirty days to make this perfect sword and he quenches it in in water and it shatters. And then he spends like fifty days making the next blade and he quenches it in the heart of a lion and it still shatters. And then he's sad and resigned, but he knows what he's going to do. He spends 100 days and nights making this damn sword. I don't know why the length <laughs> of time matters. Uh, and then he tells his wife that he has to quench it into her heart to make this love sacrifice. And she bears his breast, and he pierces her. And, and it then shatters. And, 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 he and he then he's like, 200 Fuck, days. <laughs> it's Shireen all over again, or before <laughs> all over again. And the sword catches fire and it's Lightbringer, and then they somehow defeat the White Walkers with that. Hmm. Okay, okay, so there's the background of the Nisa Nisa prophecy. Gotcha. Um, obviously, you know the prophecy, as you've explained on the show many times, but let me connect it to Jamie. Back in season three, Jamie takes a bath with Brienne. He's just gotten his hand chopped off and seems like a broken man, but he recounts his whole tale about how he killed Eris and opens up to Brienne. Moreover, toward the end of the scene, Jamie begins to pass out, and Brienne shouts something along the lines of, Help! The Kingslayer, to which Jaime responds, My name is Jaime. This is the sword tempering in water from the prophecy. Jaime has begun to shed his old self, and he is reborn as Jaime Lannister, no longer the Kingslayer. Also, you could say that this is the point that he was at his lowest, that he had shattered as a person.
0: So he is the sword in this metaphor? Kind of, yeah. In this prophecy?
1: Okay. Uh, in season four, when Jaime lets Tyrion escape and Tyrion kills Tywin, Cersei says to Jaime something like, It was not our brother to killed father, it was your own stupidity and blames Jamie for Tywin's death. Jamie's a smart man and must have known that Tyrion was going to take some kind of revenge on Tywin, but he has moved on from trying to live his life his father wanted and is now living his own life. This is tempering the sword by stabbing it through the heart of a lion, the Oof. greatest lion of all, Tywin Lannister. You're losing me. Oh, you It's I, getting a little loose here. Really? Playing fast and loose with the definitions
0: of words.
1: Okay. All right. The final part of the prophecy is killing Nisa Nisa, which is going to be Cersei, is and that's right. that's, that's right. essentially the theory that will make him the t- fully tempered blade and Jaime will be proven to be Azor Ahai. Mhm. Uh, the only problem honestly I have with that is that there's a lot of the other prophecies about the fact that he would be born amidst salt and smoke and uh, that he would be from a certain line of Targaryens, and uh, so he checks off some of the prophecy, but not all. And to the extent that the show resembles the books at all, I find it hard to believe that George would put so much of this prophecy direction on Danny and John, and then swerve and make it Jamie. But on the other hand, that's also a that's also a George move too. Yeah. What do, what do you think to, to
0: kind of obfuscate until the last moment and...
1: you don't think defying his father's wishes to let him to his death would be qualified as stabbing the heart of a lion I, I mean if it led more directly to his
0: death perhaps I don't know I'm he didn't actually kill his father and yeah. like I it gets real easy to just say hey this means this it's more like Azora and...
1: high launched a, a a guided missile that then went on to strike a lion
0: or if he No Yeah. I Or if he did something that caused somebody else to launch a missile. Like right. I don't know. I'm just not feeling it.
1: Sorry. Not buying it? Alright. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh there you go, Benjamin. Uh J- Jim strikes your hype dead. Uh D it B. In your last podcast, the possible demise of Littlefinger was always a topic. Because of that, I want to remind you of a prophecy from the books and would like your opinion on it. I like this a lot. <laughs> um This is the famous Snowcastle prophecy. I'm not buying it. All right. All right. All right. In the Storm of Swords, when Arya travels the Brotherhood Without Banners, they come across this old lady, the Ghost of Highheart, which is also rumored to be the same witch that gave Cersei her's prophecy. Okay. So she's, like, super good at the prophecy game. Yeah. Who tells her about some of her dreams. One dream is about Sansa and maybe Littlefinger. She says, I dreamt of a maid at a feast with purple serpents in her hair, venom dripping from their fangs. This clearly is a prediction of the purple wedding and the poison in Sansa's hairnet. The maid is without a doubt Sansa. The dream D- continues. Different, different in the show, but yeah. Uh, how's it different? It's a necklace, not a hairnet. Oh, right. Uh, wait, that's not true. I thought no, 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 no. Lady Olenna and Marjorie give her this really pretty hairnet, and I thought that when Old Lady Olenna fesses with her hair at one point, she steals this. The... No, it's her necklace. Is it a that's necklace? the necklace he throws off the boat. Yeah. Ah, oh, shit. You're right. Um, anyway. It's slightly different, as you said, if 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 like, god I, this is another John having three brothers moment, I just know it. And I've fucked up between the books and the show. <laughs> okay. Uh anyway, send in your corrections, Game of Thrones at Will Mia Culpa. Uh I later I dreamt the same maid again slaying a savage giant in a castle built of snow. Later in books and when she's in the eerie, uh Sansa builds a, a model of Winterfell as a snow castle. Sweet Robin destroys the castle with his doll pretending to be a giant. Sansa gets angry and rips the head off the doll. So Sansa slays a giant in a snow castle. Okay. But knowing Gurm in A Song of Ice and Fire, we can assume that this was not the final fulfillment of this prophecy. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got a greater and lesser fulfillment (laughs) of prophecy. This seems familiar. Uh The maid is Sansa. The snow castle is Winterfell for three seasons. One, Sansa built Winterfell as a snow castle. Two, Jon took Winterfell back so it became a literal castle of snow. Three, winter is coming, there's actual snow in Winterfell covering the castle. What's funny to me is, like, this was, like, a super hot theory until, like, you know, it's kind of been proven, on uns- like, this is word for word something that I've talked on a previous theory podcast. Uh, but who is the giant, if not the doll, in his greater fulfillment? In A Storm of Swords, when S- uh, Sans and Littlefinger arrive at the Fingers, which is Littlefinger's home, we learn that although Peter uses a mockingbird as a sigil... His great-grandfather chose the Titan of Bravos as a sigil because he was from the land. Hmm. The sigil of House Baelish is a massive stone and bronze sculpture in the shape of a giant. Interesting. I didn't know that. So this essentially points to Sansa being the one to actually put the end to Littlefinger, if this prophecy Hmm. is true. And honestly, to the same extent it makes sense for Jaime to be the one that kills Cersei, it makes a lot of sense for Sansa to be the one that kills Littlefinger.
0: It does, yeah.
1: Because he has been behind a lot of her torment, starting from the death of her father, all the way to her being sold off to Ramsay, and you know her trying, him trying to fuck with her right now. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. Okay. Uh, final, final email, Elizabeth C. When listening to your spoiler podcast for episode two, someone in feedback mentioned that we might see ice spiders and the White Walkers. Apparently, that the White Walkers apparently have. After watching episode three last week, we decided on a whim to watch hard home in the scene where John is in a hut with the wildlings discussing their potential allegiance. One of them says there are old stories about ice spiders as big as hounds now admittedly he's saying with a bit of sarcasm, but we hmm. may yet see an ice spider, so I guess okay, so it's not it hasn't never been mentioned and again in the my, show my my fear my my my, my benchmark for what can be on a show and people swallow it is whether you can articulate it in a previously on
4: right in a few seconds yeah and that's and pretty easy
1: that they could show that scene of that guy saying that thing and then ice spiders coming over the wall or whatever and i guess that that works for me i'm back on board ice spiders let's see it plus there's also i like to introduce people to something called the rule of cool yeah which is the cooler something is the more it will rule and the less people will object to it being there. And Ice it's Spiders... Fast and Furious franchise built that's, on that. That's... You're, you're <laughs> goddamn right. Um, and to, I think there's not very many people that would be object to the others riding these Ice Spiders in the battle. That would be fucking cool. It would. And terrifying. Especially fighting dragons with fire. I'm you know? terrified of spiders. To this day, I still have not seen the scene in Return of the King where F- F- Shalab... Gets Frodo. Oh no! Like every single time she crouches over the canyon, I ha- I cannot look <laughs> right at it. It 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 just grosses me out. This wow. giant spider biting or doing whatever she does to him. I'm a that pussy.
0: Ar- arachnophobia. You I that? do.
1: Yeah, I have. And this you might, have huh. this might be the source of my fear because Maybe. my fucking mother. I was like eight or nine years old, <laughs> right. we're watching this on sh- uh, on, on on TV. <laughs> I remember this, yeah. And I'm like on – I'm literally in front of the television in the living room on my hands and knees uh, terrified as this giant spider's <laughs> crawling up the hero's body at the very end. He ends up shooting him with a nail gun. Uh-huh. And as I'm sitting there tense as a wire, my mom is curling her hair. And if you've ever – I don't know if women still do this, but these curlers, these massive black bristly things that they put in their hair. Yeah. And she arcs one and it lands right in the middle of my shoulder blade and then rolls over and I see it and I lose my shit. I just about shit, piss, and go blind at the same time. And it turns out I harbor as a forty year old man a deep seated fear of spiders. So I'm gonna have to have a fake spider ready for that episode. <laughs> yeah. Throw yeah, throw a fake spider at me live live in a video cast and see what happens. Which of us will survive? Yep. Uh, that's the spoiler podcast for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, cool. hope, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed uh, Kim's uh, participation. Uh, might have her back on by the end of the season, too. Uh, if you've got some feedback, uh, corrections, comments, criticisms, concerns, uh, send it in to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. You can also go to forums.baldmove.com to discuss uh, your, your, your takes with your fellow fans. Uh, just make sure you mark. If you want to discuss spoilers, in particular production spoilers, I don't care if people do. Just make sure you mark it in the threads, like the title of it. Mm-hmm. Don't go into a Game of Thrones thread and just drop production spoilers because you'll probably get your comments deleted and maybe banned if we think you're being an asshole. But uh, forums.baldmove.com, uh, if you want to discuss that. You can also follow us on all the social media, facebook.com slash baldmove, twitter at baldmove, instagram at baldmove. Uh, am I leaving anything out? I don't think so all right we'll be back next week uh we'll actually be back this sunday night for the instant take for episode 704 and then tuesday we'll have the main take friday we'll have the spoiler take just like clockwork uh until then i'm aaron i'm jim see you later
0: this is your men this is your men oh boy you got something for this
1: i think this is kind of a reality show where you take a woman who's about to get married to a man tomorrow Mm-hmm. and the film crew has followed this man around with 100% with hidden cameras in his bedroom in his bathroom in his office um and and he's not aware of this he signed up he signed up for something but but you never know didn't read the EULA. no they yeah. signed you up and say like look we're going to film your whole life or, you're going to but but they don't tell you if you're accepted so it's like you got that <laughs> sort <It's laughs> of okay. like and how long So, so it's like you. the game if if you sign if you sign a sheet that said someone's going to put these cameras and you're going to have this this violation of privacy but they're not going to tell you whether you're accepted into the program or not like how long would you live as if everyone were watching you before you're like you know what fuck it There's the rest no of one. my life Really? the, the entire rest really? of my life Oh, I, I yeah. I feel like a week went by and I'm like I don't know I like <laughs> a how week? many what's, what's the odds that someone's going to be watching It takes a week to right get the now? paperwork
0: to their boss's <laughs>
1: desk man you're going to oh you're going to be on the internet so fast sure but I I also of live my life as if ever like like i'm kind of cool with everyone knowing my most of my deepest and darkest secrets uh-huh. if, if not like like the most embarrassing thing is like what particular porn i got off in that one day and i'm telling right. you it's vile like yeah. not every day not every day <laughs> like not even the most days because like i've i found as i get older i'm just like i'm just like it's just like all like cheesecake is what i'm like i just like looking at a good-looking naked woman for a couple of minutes and i'm done all right but some days yeah some, some, days, some days when i'm Feeling a little desensitized, it gets fucking weird. I'm telling Some you. Some days
0: I don't have a burrito,
1: so I get you. That's right. And that, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you don't know how weird. Like even now, you're like, I wonder how a, how, how fucking weird Aaron's like. Weird, okay? <laughs> weird. So, so the, the idea is like, you know, the day before you get married, you sit the you sit you sit the lady down or mm-hmm. the gentleman if it's mm-hmm. a if it's a gay marriage, and you say, "This is your man." And you 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 the aim of this is to show. The man at his at his lowest, most humiliating, like, and maybe or maybe it's a it's a three hundred like maybe you see the time at where he best, like yeah. he like gave up the 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 seat for the old lady, or uh-huh. he intervened when when someone was trying to to beat up some 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 the, he he broke up a bum fight uh, <laughs> or something like that. You know, it's like like it's yeah. it's it, 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 but but also the lowest of lows is there too. Sure, uh, I but, don't and, see and anyone not watching the shit out of that. I, I agree. That's a great
0: concept for a reality show. I think. Also, it could do some good in society. I think it could improve marriages. Like, get that honesty out there right away. You know know who you're marrying. my suspicion is
1: we tell each other that all of our relationships are bad and are miserable. But I kind of feel like that, like, for the half of people that don't get divorced, like, it's got to be mostly good, right? Sure. Yeah. Like, if you get inside, it's probably weird and fucked up and, like, there's a twisted sense of humor involved. But, like, there's got to be more happy people than not. Of the people who stay married, certainly, yeah. Yeah, so that's like, that's like, that's, there's like, and and there's like, there's good, like, you know, there's like this stereotype of like men, that like, they're like, there's incompetent and bumbling, and like, it's like the the latest thing uh, seems to be like a lot of men in like commercials and stuff are just, just fucking morons, and the women are almost like these like overgrown mothers, just like, ugh, oh, this guy. You know, uh-huh. ladies, right? Are, are all of our men this fucking stupid? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like you're going to see some that are just, like, some, some of these guys, like, you're like a Dan Reichert type. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine, can you explain I, to people who Dan Reichert is? Because I shouldn't just drop that I, I, name. He's not I, yeah, famous. he's he's a
0: guy uh, who's on the Giant Bomb staff, and he does a lot of videos and podcasts for them. Uh, and he's he's a weird dude. He doesn't have a lot of life experience, or didn't have a lot of life experience when he moved out there. Uh I don't want to talk too much crap about him. Right. Even
1: though I dislike him very strongly. But but imagine so this guy got married in a Taco Bell. He did. Imagine yeah, what recently. his this this is your man looks like. Yeah.
0: I can't imagine there's anything in this is your men, Dan Reichert edition that would have scared this
1: woman off if she was willing to get married in a taco you bell. You feel like you felt like that's that's a good point. And also do you feel like Dan, like he's like an like I guess that's the thing is like if you're a disgusting human being mm-hmm. then the best way to be that is to be an unapologetic Absolutely. version. Like they yeah. look, this is who I am. I'm going to have strong opinions on stuff I don't know anything about. I'm going uh. to I'm going to refuse to have adult tastes in anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to things that require adult tastes I'm going to decry as snooty and dumb and yep. so yeah, like that's like you know that's honesty. That's all I'm all you're trying to get to right right that's Honesty. the whole
0: point of this is your men it's not it's not to say that these things you're doing are inherently bad it's to get to the honest truth of who you are yeah before you make the most important commitment right like
1: If you jerk at the baby seals being clubbed then your woman better know that right and if she's cool with it she's cool with it yeah like but just get it out there yeah don't don't be don't be doing stuff in secret don't 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 that's yeah that's not good